This is eSports Today with Rob Zachney and Andrew Gruen. Welcome to this edition of eSports Today for March 1st, 2016. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, alongside Andrew Gruen, here to cover the latest news and events in eSports. On today's show, China face plants at the Shanghai Major. We'll also ask who will be the worthiest sacrifice to Fnatic at IEM Katowice Counter-Strike Global Offensive. But first, we need to put on our hazmat suits and talk about the production issues at the Shanghai Major and Gabe Newell's Reddit rage out. <laughs> you know, it, honestly, I think it's, it's actually really a testament to the quality of like the upsets and the surprising matches we've seen at the Shanghai Major that anybody is still even watching it at all uh, because the, the production has been just an unqualified disaster. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, there was a lot of anxiety, I know, among the Dota community months ago when it was announced that Perfect World would sort of be overseeing production for for this entire event uh, because there there was sort of an expectation that they would they would probably not do well with the uh, English language production, and uh, that certainly seems to be the case. And you know, before we get into the the real source of of all the drama this week. I think something worth pointing out is if you watch, if you've watched uh, the Shanghai Major this past week, this thing would have been a bad tournament no matter who was hosting it, no matter who mm. who the on-air yeah. talent was, because there were just massive production issues uh, from beginning to end. And actually, uh, I don't know if you saw, but did, did you see uh, did did you see the 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 twit longer post from the uh, woman who was actually sort of press ganged into doing production on the English language stream, Andrew? No, I haven't seen that. No, tell me about it. Uh, it was. I wish I had it in front of me, uh, but it is an important bit of context. Um, there, there was a there's a woman who was hired to be the translator, uh, in particular for for translating uh, messages from the Chinese uh, speaking production team to the English language production team. So her role <laughs> was going to sort of be the the go between uh, to to sort of coordinate the the uh, main production with the uh, English language production, which is kind of its own its own separate thing. Sure. Already probably not entirely ideal uh, to to sort of to to have to have someone. Who <laughs> <laughs> was uh, to basically have two teams that couldn't talk to each other and uh, required to go between. But it got worse. Um, because it was proving so cumbersome, uh, she was basically told at the last minute, uh, could she do all these other tasks? And those tasks included um, like basically calling the entire show, uh, feeding messages oh, wow. to the on-air talent, mm-hmm. um, picking up like notifications uh, from the production team, all while doing it live, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then like hitting cues uh, on the production. All of which, you know, and, and she put this in her post. Uh, if you add all those all those extra, extra responsibilities up together, uh, they they basically made her the director of the program uh, at the last. <laughs> and this and, and, and when I say last wow. minute, like she like. It was like the day of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and, and you know, so the thing is, uh, I I feel bad for her, and, but fortunately, it doesn't seem like people are are, are hating on her at all. No, no. Uh, but talk about a situation that just shouldn't have been allowed to uh, to arise. You know, yeah, this absolutely. Is, she she's not she she's not a she's not a producer. She doesn't produce live TV or video. Uh, she she's a translator. Uh, but that's that's sort of you know emblematic of, of how badly prepared this was 
Yeah, and you know it, what it honestly reminded me of watching this this English language stream reminded me of watching like if you were to tune into the the Portuguese stream or something like that from an American event or something like that where you have just you know one caster who's given minimal instructions and just sort of you know treated like an an aside or, or an irrelevant kind of thing and it seems like almost seems like that was kind of how uh, this Chinese company treated the the English language stream uh, but of course this is a much much larger market um, and it, it, the the whole thing just you can watch it and you know it, it's rife with unprofessionalism like there are all these moments where this, the mics will cut out for minutes at a time um to this day if you go and you try to watch the videos of the matches um there aren't videos of matches there are just 12 hour video dumps of the live streams online uh it's completely yeah, it's just it's a complete disaster to actually try to watch this thing yeah getting things like vods has fallen to like third parties people just ripping from streams and uh re-uploading it's it, it it's pretty shabby uh from beginning to end but that but that was not actually the um the thing that caught the most flack this past week because there was a massive issue that developed with the host of the uh the main panel on the english language stream uh james uh too good harding mm -hmm. right and uh so too good has too good has been on a number of of dota streams before uh and he's a well-known like esports personality uh, and also, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but has a reputation for being, uh, you know, an asshole. Yeah. Um, and that's actually kind of a shtick. Like, mm -hmm. the, like this is not something he he walks away from. Uh, it's it's kind of a core part of his appeal. And the reason there was, I think, there were a lot of misgivings around having him hosting a major event is that sometimes. A number of times in the past, his dickishness has gone a bit beyond the pale, and he sort of edged into, uh, you know, basically uh, misogyny, transphobia, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So StarCraft uh, fans might rec uh, remember him from uh, making kind of an off-color double entendre about uh, Scarlet. Uh, or if you were paying attention to the National last year, uh, he made some... Uh, sexually charged comments about uh, Shiver's appearance uh, on one of the panels, and so mm -hmm. there, there were a lot yeah. of there were there was already a lot of anxiety about what uh, what it would mean for for someone like uh, James Harding to host a a Dota major, but then also what he was going to do once he got on the air, right? What what kind of what kind of tone yeah. would it set? And Andrew, did you, did you catch did you catch his stylings uh, on the production? Uh, you, you know, I did. Yeah, there's the, uh, the the first the first such incident of what of what happened is right when the stream launched. So we're talking day one, first five minutes of you know we're talking like hundreds of hours of footage are actually going to be shot over the course of this weekend, and then the first five minutes, you know, the panel starts and and too good starts talking about how he's a little bit off today because he couldn't watch porn in his Chinese hotel room, you know? And, and like, this was like, this is like the kind of stuff that you would get from him from uh, over the course of the entire day. And this was just sort of, you know, a, a relative constant constant. And I think that there's this, there's this back and forth where a lot of people really understand why valve would fire this guy after stuff like that coming up more than once. Um, but at the same time, the community who knows him so well and, and for him uh, to, to come into this tournament and, and know that he, had, he does have a reputation for this kind of thing. A lot of people are wondering, well, like valve kind of, what were you expecting to get when you put this guy as not just a person on the panel, but the host of the entire show? It almost seems like they must have known this was a possibility. 
You know, that, that, that's, that's what kind of seems odd about this whole thing is it feels like everybody's kind of looking for someone to blame and nobody knows exactly where the blame lies. Yeah. So Harding posted an entire letter sort of explaining his background with Valve and then also how he got the production. And it does sound like he had people advocating for him uh, within Valve. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it, Too Good's performance, his hosting job, I think, here, here's the thing. There's a lot of attention paid to uh, stuff like the masturbation joke, but I, I ended up going back and watching sure. a lot of his uh, on-air segments. And the other thing that comes up a great deal during his segments is um, his almost aggressive indifference to Dota. Uh, which you can see, like, and this is this is the thing. Yeah, like, I think a lot of true. people, a lot of his fans, actually find it really entertaining the way Harding kind of sucks all the air out of the room. Uh, there is, you know, you know, how, like, you know how exquisite awkwardness can be. Yeah, no, absolutely, you're so right. Yeah, that's that kind of feels like what what Harding was serving up through a lot of the major, and you know, so he'd be saying things like, "Oh, sorry, I wasn't paying attention to anything you said." Uh, to yeah. to an analyst talking about uh, a couple games, you know he would be saying things like, you know I just don't care about Dota anymore. I don't pay attention to it, and the, it, you know it, it's not really the note you want to strike. And I think the useful comparison here is uh, Richard Lewis and uh, and Thorin uh, Thorin Shields, because I think those are guys whose all, who have also have created a number of issues with with some of their some of their comments, uh, some of their conduct, uh, including even some on air uh, stuff, you know, at, at various events. But the difference is these these are guys who are provocative and you know get go to you know make sexist remarks pretty much all the time. Uh, definitely, mm-hmm. sort of right wing, uh, sort of reveling in their political incorrectness. Uh, if that's the way you want to phrase it. But when it comes to, like, the games themselves, you can't argue they don't care about Counter-Strike. They don't know Counter-Strike. And I think that's that's the key difference, right? right? Like, why does why does a guy like James Harding get fired? Uh, well, in addition to all the negative stuff uh, that you get with a guy like him, Valve didn't get any of the good at this, at the, at this yeah, production. very true. Very true. Yeah, and when you look at other casters that they had up there on the stage, like when they had Shiver take over, uh, take over the host, uh, the hosting job, I believe, and you know, Shiver is the kind of person who will give you a good, a good show, will always put in the work, and will you know study the game and actually show that she really cares about what's going on here. Um, and and that's that's kind of you're absolutely right. The 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 difference I think between a lot of these other casters and and the the three guys that you mentioned is that they're they're not just provocative they're provocateurs and and i think that that's there's a certain amount of you you alluded to it but like this this joy you can almost see it come over uh james harding's face when he when he says one of these remarks you can see his face kind of light up a little bit because he knows that he just pushed a button um and and so like it, it is a little bit again though but the same the same time this is who this guy is it's very strange to me at the same time like as well i understand why valve got rid of him i totally get that but i also am wondering why they caved and allowed him to be on this uh, this program if they weren't prepared for this to happen. I think that is why you have Gabe Newell showing up on Reddit, uh, basically, you know, saying the guy's an ass, mm-hmm. uh, and then firing the production team. Like that was that that seemed like Gabe Newell just sort of snapping, right? Yeah. That, like, like this is this is not something that Gabe Newell should be dealing with, and yet somehow this weekend it became his job to deal with this shit, right? 
And I think that's kind of why he came off as, as so angry because someone, someone blew this. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like there were a lot of people within Valve, or at least maybe at least Gabe Newell, did not really want this to be the direction they went with their uh, with their honor talent. Yeah, and then to have to walk that decision back in public uh, is, is kind of frustrating. I don't I don't know why they hired him in the first place, and to an extent, I do kind of I don't like I don't like seeing people get fired. Right, like it's yeah. not like it's not like I'm rubbing my hands with glee uh, that that like James Harding. You know, sort of got got his knees taken out from under him uh, in the middle of a production. At the same time, you know, when you're when you, when your shtick is kind of based on almost daring people to object, sure. Um, you know, eventually someone will, and yeah. I, I, I do have trouble. Like you know, after watching a bunch of his a uh, bunch of his uh, on air segments, well, like there's there's no question as to why he got fired. Right, right, right. Yeah, and and there's a, part of it is again when I want to talk about looking for someone looking for someone to blame for this whole thing. It's hard to know who's like a lot of these Dota segments were extremely poorly prepared and produced, and it's hard to know who to blame for that. Like, was that the host's responsibility uh, to prepare? content for the in-between match uh, segments because there are a couple of times in the in the first few days of the group stage um where the on-air segment is basically them preparing their on on-air segment so they'll break out a sharpie uh yes. and write on some paper and say like okay what are the what are we going to talk about with these teams uh, what are the pros and cons of these different teams and it's like no you should have done that before the show and that should be a five that should be five minutes of on-air time uh not 50 minutes of, of you all like waiting to actually deliver this information. But when you have 45 minute hour long breaks between games, uh, you're going to have to cover that ground anyway. And I don't think they had the ability to do live graphics uh, during the show. That's how bad this production yeah. is. Like he, like uh, Harding got a lot of flack for bringing bring Sharpies and a uh, giant clipboard out onto the, uh, out onto the, 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 the English language stream. And so you had this awkward, like, just basically giant tablet with writings on it, yeah. uh, sitting at the center of the screen on the uh, on the um, on the panel. I actually don't think that was uh, a bad thing. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, you know, realistically, you would want someone to produce some live graphics that you could run while people are talking, but they didn't seem to have that. Mm -hmm. And so, like the the sort of brainstorming sessions they were having, talking about uh, Dota. Ended up being one of the more one of the few entertaining things uh, about that um, about that panel. So that's kind of uh, what's been what's been going on with that uh, with 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 why Harding got fired and and why there was all this news about Gabe Newell uh, sort of having a Reddit meltdown. Yeah, and you know, we actually got a question about this very subject this week uh, from a listener named Elizabeth. So we can actually continue that conversation through this question. Um, uh, so Elizabeth writes, Hello, Rob and Andrew. Uh, new listener here. I'm guessing you uh, will probably all talk about the Too Good debacle in this week's podcast. Uh, as soon as I fall out from following esports actively, the only things I actually pick up about the competitions on social media is drama surrounding the production and the casters. Uh, I would like to hear some further thoughts from you regarding the fact that esports casters seemingly generate more interest and have far greater influence and power than the actual teams, players, and matches, uh, and what effect that has on the esports ecosystem. Uh, this concept seems foreign to people I talk to that have little or no interest in esports. Have the casters become the driving forces that make the esports world go round? Thoughts, Rob? Uh, I think there's a key difference here, and that is uh, casters often have to make things entertaining when they might not be inherently entertaining. 
And I think that happens mm-hmm. a lot more in esports. Like if you are if you are like if you have guys calling a football game football's a, a pretty entertaining sport it's not necessarily down to the cast it's not necessarily down to sports casters to make that game entertaining sure. uh, now i don't listen to enough regular season baseball like radio broadcasts to say whether or not like those types of sports casters have to provide something a little extra but i think in a lot of like mainstream sports um there's always some kind of spectacle for you to watch and uh, you know, there's so there's so much of it to go around, right? You can always, if a game's boring, you can always turn it off uh, and go somewhere else. But if a tournament is boring, uh, then then you have, then you really need to rely on the, on that honor talent. So, I think casters yeah. in esports play a more important role, and they're certainly like more consistently in front of the, the public. You know, they're they're more consistently yeah. in front of the cameras. They're who they're who the public connects with. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think that it's. Uh, part of it is it has to do with the fact that these esports casters um, they have not subsumed themselves to the greater whole of esports in the same way that casters on traditional sports have. Uh, a lot of these casters are employed by the leagues, or they they are hired like on full time by these baseball teams, and it is their job to work for those teams. A lot of these casters will uh, in esports will go between games. They'll uh, if they don't get hired for a tournament, it's no big deal. They'll run a stream and they'll they'll make their own money that way. Uh, so a lot of these these esports casters are independent contractors as opposed to full time employees or something like that and i think that's a really crucial difference because a lot of these guys have to uh they have it's basically like they're politicians almost they have to cater to their own constituency they can't subsume themselves to the greater whole of this game or or toe the company line about a game because they have their own audience to actually consider while they're on we're on the air here and i think that that's part of that plays into this this whole too good thing uh where he's thinking first and foremost about the people that he represents, the people who want to see him on stream. And he's, you know, yeah. able to assume, I think, that the, he's been hired because he brings an audience to the table. And so I don't know that they're necessarily larger than the team's players and matches, uh, but they certainly represent like another side of that coin. They certainly represent um, a, a more fully fledged aspect of the esports business. Yeah. Uh, so. Okay, the Shanghai Major has kind of bombed this week from a production standpoint. Uh, but Andrew, you know who else bombed in Shanghai last week? I have a feeling I know who you're talking about. Wait, is, it, is it China? Is it the it's entire nation China. of China? It's China. Uh, <laughs> once, the, once the king of Dota. Uh, suddenly, true. almost all, all their teams save one are in the loser's bracket and might only play one more game uh, at, at this tournament. And I don't think that's what we were expecting. No, you know, and it's... It's interesting. There, there were some people who actually saw this coming because this was what this what happened uh, last year at the DAC, which was well, sort of a precursor to the Dota Major. Uh, yeah, the it was a major, major system. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it, it was basically China's version of the international. Um, and what people saw happen there was, uh, it, I think I want to say the story was that the Chinese teams were coming right off of Chinese New Year, so they hadn't practiced in a week or two before the the tournament, and they came in like very loose, not looking very strong, and they I believe they actually performed rather poorly at that event as well um i don't remember that personally but i was watching today um a breakdown of the of the uh, shanghai major group stage by uh the wonderful caster nahaz uh who you should absolutely go watch that video it's like 45 minutes of wonderful wonderful statistical breakdown of what's been going on over there um but i mean 
Yeah, we like China just got absolutely obliterated. The only winner that we saw like uh, come into the winners bracket uh, after the group stage was, I believe, LGD. And you know, it, it, the whole group stage just uh, was was really punishing for China, but on the other hand, was extremely friendly to Europe. And and the predictions from that we had on the show last year, uh, last week, actually turned out really positively. We had uh, Alliance uh, finish top of the group. We had Team OG finish top of the group. Evil Genius at the, at the top of their group. The only thing that was really a surprise yeah. about this whole tournament, oh, yeah, give and it, to it was me. a huge surprise, was a huge surprise, was when MVP Phoenix, uh, our Korean team, and Korea has been historically very weak in the Dota t- the Dota community. MVP Phoenix showed up and just wrecked some fools. Nobody was expecting this. Nobody was expecting this to happen at all. But in particular, if you watch, if you if you want to see a Dota team, a professional level Dota team, just get completely embarrassed. Watch Game One of Team Secret versus MVP Phoenix, and watch MVP MVP Phoenix just tear them limb to limb from limb and team secrets one of the best teams in the world and they look like they just got hit by a freight train or something like that it was unbelievable so much fun to watch this yeah you know mvp phoenix like they were surprised at the international and i think i think ti5 is where we can say that team won respect yeah. uh and so they were sort of respected they were they were granted respect coming into this well, tournament. I think- but i don't think they were i don't think they were still viewed as contenders at all no, I don't think they were viewed as contenders, and I think that even even the word respect is maybe even a little bit of a misnomer there because I think it was at TI it was more like, ah, isn't that cute? Korea's Korea's got a team like Southeast Asia has a team and, in the mix. And, and it's that, so that, good to great. see Mark have a good tournament before yeah. he hands it up and <laughs> and go. Yeah, yeah. There there was a bit of that. It was, it was uh, You're right. Respect might be stretching what was basically a collective hair tousling. It was a bit of a, yeah, it was, it was a bit of, it's viewed as a bit of a few of a fluke. That's the word I'm trying to say. So, okay. I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about that, about that group stage with, with MVP Phoenix. Cause, um, they kind of, they kind of undressed every team. Yeah. Um, and what struck me just as someone who doesn't watch too much Dota is that it sort of didn't look like Dota usually looks, uh, with, no. with MVP Phoenix. Uh, it actually reminded me a little bit, honestly, of, um, some of the stuff we see in League of Legends, uh, with really, really aggressive like uh, picks being set, and uh, lots of small fights. It like MVP Phoenix didn't seem to um, be grouping up quite as much, or, or or setting up big team fights as much. It, it sort of seemed like they kept uh, like just trying to get these little like th- these little lone picks, and then running off for, for more farm. Yeah, it was it was very uh, God. I want to say it was uh, the International Four. Uh, was it was a lot like this with very very aggressive stuff people constantly diving under towers to get kills uh, and it, it can be a lot of fun it gets very tiresome when everybody does that it, get, it can but when you just get one team that just wants to run out and punch the other team in the face that's a lot of fun to watch um, the the best thing to me so far about this tournament is that you can point to three of the top teams so far and they're all playing wildly differently from one another like there is no established meta game so far about how you're supposed to play dota 2 uh, at this tournament so you have mvp phoenix like you said which just comes out and just tries to steamroll these other teams and it's, it's terrific fun to watch but then you have team uh, alliance who 
maybe was the only other team that looked like they could be the number one most like strongest team so far in this tournament and alliance was playing this very like objective based game where they wanted to like move in take a tower fall back and and just play really smart and just sort of play the map and then you look at evil geniuses as well as well and evil geniuses was just sort of playing like kind of classic moba gameplay where they wanted to just farm up get uh better gear but get advantages over their enemy and play and just play really smartly because i think eg in particular they know that they're just a stronger team person for person than any other team here. And so they just play standard. You know, every other team on the, on the court wishes that they could play standard. They wish that they could just play a completely normal, boring game of Dota, but they can't against a team like EG because the EG has Samael and Arteezy and Universe who are just the absolute best in the world at what they do at their particular positions. And so the EG has just seems like the... Uh, like the like the ocean liner at the at this moment they're just cruising straight ahead they're not really changing what they do for anybody and they're they're just sort of playing real standard so how does the bracket look as we head into the main event oh let's take a look so right now i i think that you know, as, as I kind of talked about a, a moment ago, like the, the the three teams that we talked about last week still look incredibly strong. Like the, the, the three teams that we mentioned are uh, Alliance, OG, and Evil Geniuses. Um, and they just they just look great. There's no reason to, to, to deter or defer from those picks. Uh, the only one that I would actually add uh, to my list of teams to, teams to watch is obviously MVP Phoenix, because as we just mentioned, they completely just obliterated everyone uh in the in their particular group stage uh looking over to though to the bottom of the bracket actually gets a little bit more interesting um at this point all of the teams that are in the in the bottom of the bracket are there for a reason they didn't it doesn't feel like there's anybody <laughs> there who got robbed or something like that like it feels like they belonged in the in the bottom of the bracket uh, i always want to see virtus pro do really well but I, I don't know if they're going to actually do very much the one team that you really want to look at that could actually do something uh out of, out of the bottom of the bracket is ehome um who was actually favored as the, the the number one team coming into this tournament they were they were supposed to win the whole thing and they just they just struggled and part of the reason for that was actually MVP Phoenix is they were favored to become the the winners of the tournament partially because they were in a group with MVP MVP Phoenix and everyone assumed that MVP Phoenix would just roll over and die in in the group stage um but I have to believe that there's some gas left in in, uh Ehome's tank because they just they have a a wonderful dynamic they know this game inside and out and uh, you know I I really would look for them to make a charge uh out of the, the lower bracket and you know, don't count them out was, either because that was done was before back, at the last uh, major too. Exactly right. It was it was Team OG who is now considered to be you know one of the major forces in Dota Two. Uh, Team OG came from the bottom of the bracket and and steamrolled their way all the way to uh, a championship victory. So they, it can be done. It absolutely can be done. So that does it for the games of esports today. Now let's talk about esports tomorrow. So in addition to the Shanghai Major main event, uh, the other big tournament going on this week uh, is IEM's IEM Katowice's CES GO uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive event. Uh, so Rob, I, I think we're in agreement that Fnatic is you know, definitely going to win this. I don't even know if we'd even say probably or maybe going to win this one. It's almost definite they're actually going to win this. But my, you know, my question is, who are you looking at that's actually going to make this tournament interesting? Uh, well... You know, I, I'd say Fnatic, first, Fnatic are, are never more interesting than when they're about to about to lose, right? And, and then, sure. so I, I'm sort of hoping that like somebody gives Fnatic a, a little bit of a run for their money, and and we see some of those heroics that we've talked about these last few weeks. Uh, but who like 
Dark Horse is to make this interesting. Uh, who do I think is going to be standing at the end? Uh, boy, I'm going to eat this so hard next week. Like I know it's a mistake <laughs> even to say it. Uh, I am. I am. It's it's a really dumb prediction. Uh, but I I am looking at Astralis and thinking this is a team that this is a team that's going to do well, uh, despite the fact that they would seem to be a little outclassed in this field. I have I have a feel like I I am high on Astralis right now. Uh, they have looked pretty good these last few weeks. Um, so I, I, I think I've seen enough play from them in the clutch, uh, sure, that, that sure. I'm excited to see what they can do. So you're doubling down on Scandinavia. Um, I, 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 when I look at, the, when I look at these teams that are invited, this is, first of all, this is amazing. This is like the first time in, a, in quite a while, I think, where we really get a tournament where there is no team missing. Like there's there's no asterisk at the end of this tournament that you know oh a fanatic wasn't there or envious wasn't there or Navi wasn't there or this is a tournament for the B the B roster teams or something like that like this this is everybody it's fanatic Astralis envious Navi Virtus Pro Luminosity Ninjas in Pajamas like every game every organization that you could want particularly the European teams North America obviously not still not doing very well here. Um, is actually going to be here and we're going to get to finally like get an update on where sort of the power rankings lie because this is what we talked about so many times on the show is you know great uh, fanatic is is number one we all we all understand that very very well at this point uh but we've been wanting to understand who's number two who's number three and this tournament is like a really good opportunity to, to do that um and this tournament when i look at the list i obviously i say this again and again i really want envious to do well i love yes. that team um that this would be a great opportunity for them to like kind of stop that slide that they've been on uh and come back and say like yeah we're we are a great team we are a team that's going to be around uh for years uh this wasn't just like a summer fluke like we've kind of wondered they like they might have had last year uh the other team that i really want to see do well is luminosity gaming we've talked about this a couple of times uh the brazilian organization with a lot of these old veterans uh from from the history of uh, like counter-strike source 1.6 and stuff like that like these are these are old players uh and i would really love to see them come back because you know mostly i really want like i really want brazil to get really excited about esports i want brazil to be a huge force uh in counter-strike and if north america can't then i really want south america to to get involved in this and uh and to have some variety uh, is really the important thing to me uh to the to the counter-strike scene because right now variety means uh, France, as opposed to Scandinavia, it's not exactly uh, a particularly diverse field. Uh, it's it's generally devoted almost entirely to Northern Europe, uh, with the occasional Eastern European team or uh, like you know, Envious as a French team. And so, I, I really want to see Brazil make a charge because, as we as we saw with MVP Phoenix, this was a question uh, in Dota a while back. You know what 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 is going to happen to the Korean scene now that MVP Phoenix has made uh, a splash at the international and made a ton of money. So what happens in Counter-Strike if Luminosity makes a great run and shows the, you know, the, the nation of Brazil that they can be great at Counter-Strike and they can make a lot of money doing it? You know, I, I, I get really excited about that possibility. Yeah, I mean, uh, my, my take on that, though, is that I, I think this is sort of like this is almost like the Brazilian national team uh, from, from the way sort of Slasher put <laughs> to us in the past. Uh, but that's the way it starts. That's that's very true. That's very that's very true as well. Uh but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a stacked field, and it, it should be a great event. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of Esports Today, an Idle Thumbs podcast produced by Michael Hermes. Until next week, if you have any esports questions, you can shoot them over to us at questions at esports.today. We'll be back next week to discuss the past, present, and future of esports. For Andrew Gruen, this is Rob Zachney, signing off.